Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 34. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me this evening in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning in verse 19. And give me an amen once you are there. If you're new to our church, we just want to welcome you and and, uh, invite you back for Sunday. We're going to have a a small prophecy update and... uh, uh, review what God has done in the past year, but also to see what's going on in the world today and uh, apply it to our lives through the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So keep that in your prayers because there's a a lot of info, as they say, TMI, with so much going on in the world. We can be uh, there all day on Sunday. So we don't want to do that. 2 Chronicles 34, beginning with verse 19. Give me an amen once you're there. Father, we just come before you this evening again, Lord, with thanksgiving and praise, Lord. You have been so good to us for so long. What can we say, Father? You've given us eternal life through your son, Jesus. Our names are written in your book and how precious of a fact that is in our lives that we have been saved, that, Lord, you took us out of the gutter, And you've placed us in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ, where we're going to be with him forever. But now, Lord, as we occupy until you come, Lord, you've given us your word. You've given us your house. You've given us this church family so that we can come together and study your word. And just allow you, Father God, to speak to our hearts. Lord, we know that if there's pride in our hearts, that... uh, We won't receive. But Father, if we humble ourselves, we will receive, for you teach the humble your way. So Father, pour out your grace. Give us your humility. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. Amen. So King Josiah, we've been studying his life and we're right in the middle of his reign and he's a one of the best kings in the southern kingdom of Judah. He's a good king who did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He walked in all the ways of his father David, we're told. He did not turn aside from the left or to the left or to the right. He stood on the path with God. We know that the northern kingdom of Israel is no more. They're in captivity to the Assyrians because they had long turned to paganism and the worship of demons and And so the Lord finally uh, said enough and allowed the Assyrians to come in and take them into slavery, really, into uh, Assyria. It was all uh, God's judgment because they had turned from him. And so King Josiah, we've been studying him, and the southern kingdom, he's turning things around. Uh, It had been years since the temple was in, in use and Uh, The southern kingdom had fallen into paganism as well. And so this good king, you know, becomes king at 
the young age of eight years old. And we're told at 16, he began to seek the Lord, seek his God. And then at age 20, he actually began to purge out the kingdom, like physically. So he cleaned out uh, all the pagan altars that were used for worship in Jerusalem, in Judah, and even into northern Israel. Um, he broke the altars of the Baals. They were, it was done in his presence, and they were grounded down to powder, and then the powder was thrown on the graves of those who, the priests who would worship those pagan gods. Um, he also, we're told in 2 Kings 23, that he removed uh, the perverse persons, that's the homosexuals in the Old Testament, uh, who had altars uh, there in the temple courts. Can you imagine that in Jerusalem? And so, you know, as, 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 as much as things change, there's some things that remain the same, right? There's still the same things going on. And so uh, it's written there in 2 Kings 23 that he removed the perverse persons from the temple area and their altars um, there. And then he also defiled, it, it, it says in 2 Kings, uh, Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, uh, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fires of Moloch anymore. And it was ancient abortion that was done there, where they would sacrifice their sons and their daughters in this valley. And so he went there to Topheth and defiled it in some way or another. He just really cleaned house. Great king. He even got rid of the horses that the prior kings of Judah had stocked up on. And these horses were dedicated to the sun god. So he really cleaned house. He was, a, he was a, just a, a man who loved God and showed it by the fact that he would make all of these reforms. When you think about our faith in Jesus Christ, he, he offers salvation but he calls us to change. That's what repentance means. It doesn't matter the list of sins. It doesn't matter homosexuals. It doesn't matter the background. I come from a gang background, a broken home, uh, all of the things that come with that. And it didn't matter to God how long my list of sins were, how perverse I was, how wicked I was in my youth. To God, all he desired was a willing heart to to be to humble myself before him and to ask for his forgiveness and to acknowledge my sin. And the thing about the gospel is with some people, you have to tell them that they're sinners, right? You, it's a good thing to give them the Ten Commandments. Everyone's broken the Ten Commandments and, the, and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the punishment for the breaking of God's laws is, is death. It's, it's, uh, but eternal life is the gift of life is in Jesus Christ. And so with some people, you have to tell them or show them that they're sinners. With me, that wasn't the case. I knew I was bad. I knew I was bad. Can anyone relate to that? <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to heaven. I just knew it. My sins were, were bad and no one had to tell me that. I just had to be convinced that God loved me. I had to be convinced that God can help change me. Because I couldn't see as a young man that I can stop all the drugs, all of the perversion, the lifestyle, the party life. You know, I didn't, I, didn't, I, could, I didn't believe that people can actually change through Christ until one day I did. And now everything's different. 
And it stays different, and it gets better and better and better. So when the Bible mentions that this good king cleaned house and removed the perverse persons from the temple, shoot, I would have been removed too, not for that type of perversion, but I had my own perversions. Amen? So it's in a, in a, in a merciful way, you know, he, he went around in a loving way towards uh, honoring God. He was showing his love to God by cleaning up um, the temple. And the, he also collected funds to do repairs on God's house, on the temple. And it was in the process of them collecting these funds and kind of going to the temple to the high priest and doing that exchange that the, the high priest, um, his name is Hilkiah, he actually found, we're told, uh, the book of the law of the Lord as it was given to them by Moses. It, it is literally the, the five books, first books of the Bible, by Moses, it was found in this reformation, this, this cleaning up of the temple. They actually found it and. We don't know how many years it was lost, but it was lost. But you can imagine the, the, the great surprise and joy that they found God's word. It had been lost. Who knows for how long? How would you feel if you lost your Bible and that was the only one that you can ever get? How would you feel? I'm afraid there's some Christians who wouldn't miss it at, at all. Think about that. That dusty thing, that thing I never opened, there's, there's people who call themselves believers who that's their condition. My spiritual mother used to say, son, if this book isn't in shambles, chances are your life is. In shambles meaning it's wrinkly and you use it and it looks used and abused and blessed. I would be probably inconsolable if I didn't have the Bible anymore. I'd be inconsolable. So after all these years, they find it, which is proof that God will preserve his word for eternity. And Jesus told Peter that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against God's church. The devil's throwing everything at the church, especially here in California with this governor of ours wanting us not to sing, sing in churches or gather and all the, all the in, unjust uh, rules that he bestowed upon the churches. We need to uh, remember that God will preserve his church. He'll preserve you. He'll preserve his word. And uh, as long as his Holy Spirit is working in our lives and in his church, we're going to be fine. He will make sure that we find this. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. It's not going anywhere. Even in the Old Testament, lo and behold, spring cleaning, they found it. We're told in verse 19, thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law, that he tore his clothes. We're told in um, 2 Kings 23, 
that he he actually not he didn't just tear his clothes, but he he wept. He was uh, besides himself. He was broken. He was a broken man over this. And and um, here he he ends up telling his guys in verse twenty. He says uh, he commands. It says that the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, and the uh, the son of Shephan, uh, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shephan, the scribe, and Asiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. And so he's broken and then he gives his men instructions to go inquire of the Lord on their behalf. You know, he's crying, he's broken. And who knows what he read? Something out of the, you know, five books of Moses. It could have been Deuteronomy. I mean, throughout Deuteronomy, there's so much about how how the, the Israelites were different than any other nation because they had the commandments, they had the word, they had the, they had the knowledge of God. That's the beauty of the Jewish people and their heritage. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and all of them, they had the commandments to give to the world. We owe them so much spiritually. That's why we pray for them. That's what the world doesn't understand. My goodness, you know, our, our Savior, you know, it was written that he would come through the Jewish people. And that's what he did. So um, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, it's, there's a, just an example of what perhaps they read that day. Perhaps this is what was said. Uh, verse 7 through 80. It says, for what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason, we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law, which I set before you this day? What nation is there who's so blessed they can call upon God for anything that has his judgments to, to guide them? So, you know, he's sitting here hearing and he just begins to weep and he sends his guys off to go inquire of the Lord. And he, he says the reason is because he knows the wrath of God is coming. You know, with the old covenant and the Old Testament, it was like God promised Israel, I'll bless your socks off. You will be like no other nation. I, you, you're just going to have a blessed life. Sure, they, they would have their hard times, but he promised to always guide them and to bless them. Their problem is because of unbelief, they, they wouldn't follow. But the promise was there. And he said, you know, you know do not worship other gods. Because if you do, you know, chastisement and judgment will come your way. And so he must have heard this and been reminded of it and said, oh man, we're in trouble. The king knows we're in trouble. He says we, he, he puts himself as in, in the great wrath is coming upon us, which shows his own humility. From eight years old, he was, he was, he became king. And at 16, he sought the Lord. And then at, uh, 20, he began to make all these reforms. And, and yet he's serving the Lord in such a powerful and wonderful way. Yet he's humble enough to understand, but still I'm a sinner like everybody else, which should be all of our attitude, that humility. Though we've been saved by grace, we are sinners saved by grace. But every day we sin. 
We fall short, so we come before him. We say, Lord, forgive us, wash us. Man, I thought that terrible thought, or I said that terrible thing, or I just had the wrong heart. Will you cleanse me, Lord? And he does. He does. Us. Us. And, you know, but we don't practice sin as, as Christians. It's impossible. You know what I mean? For a Christian to keep sleeping with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or whatever. And say oopsie do oops like like it's one of it's like a a sin of thought or a sin or something small. No, that's big. You're practicing that. You ain't you ain't running from that. You're you're just living in that. And so it's that's different. That's different. As Christians, that shouldn't be the case. If if it's so, please repent. If you're watching, because I know all you guys are good. <laughs> but you know, we don't live in sin anymore. We don't practice it. You know, we're not trying to get better at it. We avoid it. Right? We flee youthful lust, the Bible says. And uh, <clears throat> But anyhow, I love his humility, and I love that he wept. I love that he had great conviction of the word. How about that? He had great conviction. He wasn't just like he was hearing, and then said, oh, well, that was cool. Well, let me go on about my my kingly business. No, it's like, oh, oh, conviction. That's what it should be when we come to church. That's what it should be when we open up the word in our private reading. God, God, and that's why it's a good idea to pray before we read. Lord, I'm, my mind's all over the place. My heart's all over the place. This world's nuts. And, you know, there's so much information. Can, you, can I can we just be still and know that you're God and just unite my heart to fear you? And as I read, may you please speak to my heart. I'm, I'm ready my heart. Then, then you read and it's just like boom, boom. That's a stabbing uh, <laughs> emotion if you didn't know. <laughs> but the word cuts. It does. You know, a lot of homies come out of jail and they're just like, yeah, I read the Bible three times when I was in the pen. Oh, but you didn't read it with the right heart. You weren't truly searching. If you are, he's, he sees the true seeker and he'll open up their eyes if they're willing. Yes. Hebrews 4 tells, uh, tells us, verse 12, really famously, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account so the word of god it just cuts it says he just does amazing things uh, the word of god will affect kings as well as peasants it'll it, it doesn't matter what color our skin is it doesn't matter i mean we'd be shocked at how how I, I'm, I'm always shocked at how the word of God can change somebody, the most unlikely people, you know. But it does. It's alive. It's well. It's good, you know. And so he was tenderhearted. We're told in various times in the Bible in Hebrews 3, there's one example of this, verse 7 through 8. The Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the trial in the wilderness. 
If you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Don't say, ah, I'm good. It's cool. I don't, I don't need Jesus. It's cool. I don't need to make changes. I'm not that bad. I'm cool. No, we're, we're really, we really need help. Every day, every moment, we need more of Jesus, more, more conviction. And so, he, like we read, he, or like it says in, in uh, Kings 23 that he wept, the psalmist in Psalm 119 beautifully says in verse 136, he says, rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. I mean, that's just a love for the word. And I think going into 2024, it would be good for us to love the word of God more. You know, whenever I sit down and consider my family, my marriage, you know, it's, it's, it always goes back to the word of God. How much word has my wife, have my wife and I digested together? If it's not much, then our marriage is not as strong as it should be. It's always the word. Whenever I sit down to counsel a couple, it's like, you know, where are you guys in the Bible? Hmm? What? what? What's that? Exactly. Like Romaine used to say at, at Costa Mesa, Chuck Smith's number two guy, whenever he would counsel people, he would say, are you reading your Bibles? And if they said no, he would say, then go home and read it and then come back. That was their counseling session. Go, go read it and come see me in a week. And you know what that word of God does? It just... And then they just realized how foolish they were in that they weren't putting God first. And the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added to you. Ministry doesn't come first before my marriage. My marriage does. So if I'm all focused on ministry, but not recognizing my wife's my first ministry, then who cares about the ministry? It's, it's my family that needs to be strong. Amen? And then he, he says to them, go inquire of the Lord for me. And so he, he sends them out to go uh, inquire of the Lord. He's going to send them to a prophetess. And I think it's fantastic. We see the king get convicted. He hears the word. He gets convicted. And he, he does something about it. And the Bible says to do something about it. In fact, Jesus says, be careful how you, how you hear. The same measure you use will be measured back to you. Like, you, you know, we are responsible for what we hear. You know, to some people, church, just simple thing like going to church is a T in the road for them. You're either going to go God's way or your own way. And we've seen it throughout the years. How some people, it was their last chance. And something bad happened because they chose the wrong path and not the path of life. And God had had it up to here with them. He just took them home. Scary stuff. It's serious stuff, actually. Very serious stuff. But anyways, he took action. We're, we're supposed to take action. If we're convicted, if God is speaking to your heart, when is a day of change? When, when, do you, when do you get in the game? When am I going to do something different? When am I going to change my ways? Because there has to be changes if we're going to change. You can't change without changes. Amen? You can't. And so uh, he goes and he, and he puts action into it. James chapter 1, he famously says, James in his epistle, 
verse 21 through 25, this is what he says. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the, of the word, this one will be blessed in what, he's, what he does. Christianity works. It really does. The, the problem with, with people who claim it doesn't work, or I tried it, or I went to church. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m., and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.